Welcome to the Feed Long Lunch. It's where we like to take a slightly deeper dive into conversation with some of our guests, exploring New Zealand's food stories, personalities and future. So grab a plate, a snack or a glass and join us for a slightly bigger slice of the conversation. And then remember to join us at thefeed.co.nz for more. Half of the world's seafood comes from aquaculture and it's expected to grow a third again by 2030. New Zealand is following the curve. The ambition is to grow our aquaculture industry from 600 million now to 1 billion by 2025 and 3 billion by 2035. The blue economy, some people call it. Now, fish farming sounds great, especially as it might reduce pressure on wild stocks and provide a viable alternative to other protein like dairy and beef. But it comes with its own cost. Feed, especially sourced from wild fish, has a high environmental footprint and coastal ecosystems can end up polluted and constrained. So one solution being pioneered in New Zealand is to put the fish farms out to sea in the open ocean. And even better, let's make them mobile to take advantage of the currents and the changing climate. These mobile farms could also open the possibility of growing species not currently farmed. Well, to discuss open ocean farming and the bigger blue economy potential, I'm joined by plant and food scientists Susie Black and Damien Moran. Well, thank you both for joining me on the feed. Thank you, Vincent. Thanks, Vincent. Well, Susie, I wonder if I could start with you. The idea of a mobile fish farm sounds fantastic. What on earth is it? Vincent, conventional uh, aquaculture happens in... uh, sea pens and so they are often close to the coast and they stay in one place so a lot of people would have seen them flying over the South Island and the Marlborough Sounds and potentially down near Stewart Island and around uh, Banks Peninsula uh, and yeah as I said they, they stay in one place, the fish have to deal with the environment that the, they're in year round so whether that's uh, experiencing a summer and a winter and other extreme conditions whereas these mobile systems that we're, we're just at the very few stage of these in developing proof of concept but the idea is to be able to move around so we can actually take the fish to the water temperatures that they like to uh, grow in, uh, clean water uh, so we, we can create that environment that the fish like to be in so we don't have to put up with the, the environment uh, year round if you're stuck in one place. Is that a new concept, is that a, a kind of a New Zealand invention if you like? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. So the extent that we're our vision that we're looking at, but there there are many many researchers around the world looking at open ocean um, aquaculture, fish farming, and so that the approach that they've taken internationally, well, a lot of people have taken, is to have. Uh, these massive engineered structures. So these ones are stuck in one place and the idea around them is to uh, withstand against those uh, really extreme elements. So, you know, huge wave heights, they're out in the open ocean and they've got to really withstand those environments. But there are there have been a few different technologies developed that have, have a mobile element to them. Not quite as uh, fully mobile as we're en- envisaging with the concept that we're, we're developing. But there, there are some uh, that do have that mobile element, but yeah, just not not quite to the degree that we're we're trying to explore. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, we've got a history in innovation in this space. I think it was sure your <laughs> your organization that developed the precision seafood harvesting net, right? Which was yes, uh, you know has yep. had so much um, publicity. And uh, as 
plant and food alone in producing this mobile concept or are there other partners? Oh, absolutely other partners. I mean, it would be great to say that we could do this all by ourselves, but we've got a, a, a remarkable team of collaborators. Uh, we're working with the Cawthron Institute, uh, University of Auckland. We've also got our international collaborators. Oh, must uh, also mention the University of Otago. Uh, we've got our international collaborators up in Norway at Sintef, uh, also University of Exeter, uh, Wageningen University uh, in research in the Netherlands and also uh, University of Rostock in Germany as well. So yeah, definitely a great collaboration. It really um, is. Yeah. Um, yes. It's interesting how often um, Wageningen comes up actually in food circles is obviously Absolutely. Um, you know, a real hub of food research. Yeah. Well, what are the advantages of these kind of mobile systems over you know I don't what's the alternative unmobile system yeah yeah so those we, we kind of call them static systems so they stay in one place and as I mentioned before you know when you've got a system like that you know you're at the you're you're you're, you're taken by the you know you have to put up with the environment that's that's thrown at you so you've got to put mm-hmm. up with the the water temperature the water quality stuck in one place so the the idea with the mobile mobile systems is really taking advantage of New Zealand's geography um, and being able to potentially you know we've got a really large um, EEZ here and so there's potential there to really expand production but the really important thing we're looking at is really understanding the animals, what does the fish need to be at its best, and so being able to move the fish enclosures, the production systems, to those areas that are going to be great for the fish, so around water temperature, water quality, and things like that. But we don't really want to stop there with just focusing on the animal that we're producing. We really want to take that whole of ecosystem approach to the design so that the production system that we create is not only great for the fish inside it, but also great for the environment that it sits within. And so it's, yeah, very much, a, um, yeah, that taking that whole of ecosystem approach to, to you, production. You would be one of the rare fish farmers that actually thinks about the fish and uh, <laughs> kind of bu- builds it from the fish up. It's we we well as even even uh, researchers you know coming often people we we sort of have this saying you know you don't want to just build a, a system and just try and stuff a fish into it you know we're trying to build the system around the fish mm. um, so yeah it is a little bit of a different approach and it's in a, yeah it's a different approach in the in the research world as well uh, you know we we're talking a bit before about some of the international approaches to these open ocean structures and having these humongous environmental you know to, to withstand the environment are these mm. huge engineered mm. structures that are very very strong um you know we've gone down a different route that looks after the animal and hopefully would potentially look after the environment um but yeah i think uh but to say that you know it's a different approach for aquaculture i don't think that you know the fish farmers would say that they're very much in tune with their animals and uh, okay. and, and, and looking after an animal husbandry so it's mm. uh, yeah uh, I was reading um, in your bio about the potential for using this technology to expand the number of species that could be looked at. Yeah. Um, Potent- do you want to yeah. just tell us about that? Sure. There's, there's quite a bit of potential there. So if you can imagine these units or production systems being mobile, it means that they can access those those um, temperatures that the fish like. So 
at the moment in New Zealand, we've got some issues with climate change around warming waters, and there's some areas of the country that aren't that just aren't suitable for the species that we can grow here at the moment. And so we only have one aquaculture species here at the moment, and that's Chinook salmon. And so with those that changing climate, there are certain areas that are just becoming you know, not not an option for, for fish farming. But, you know, what if what if you could have a mobile production system that you could go to these different temperatures? What if we could always be down south and in the cooler temperatures for salmon? Or what if we wanted to farm snapper or trevally or, you know, any the other number of, of New Zealand species, it opens up those opportunities. It's not to say that we've, we've done them all yet, but there's that opportunity to have that resilience to to climate change or or just resilience to, you know, we've only got one species of finfish that we farm at the moment. Imagine if we had a number of those and they would have some form of resilience um, and, and uh, supply chain uh, um, security there and food security with that. Mm. Mm. Damien, I know one of the things your research is focused on is um, l- looking at the, f- the feed side of things, and feed is problematic, isn't it? Do you want to just tell us about what are the challenges around feed? Because from what I can see, that that is probably where the majority of the issues come around fish farming. Yeah, hi, thanks, Vince. Um, certainly the issues to do with, um, the, I guess, the footprint and the impact of, um, of fish farming in particular. You've got to um, sort of imagine that we are, we're not farming uh, cows and sheep which are grazing on grass, but we're usually farming predators, animals that are used to eating protein and fat. So we have to go and um, take those ingredients from other ecosystems um, which are you know we're trying to feed the near the top of the food pyramid for a lot of Mm. species not all species but a lot that uh, we currently farm in the ocean are predators so finding at the sort of global scale all of that uh, protein and fat to feed the fish is a uh, is an ecological challenge Mm. Um, uh, fish diets 30, 40 years ago, a lot of them started off as uh, waste fish or trash fish is what people used to refer them to. Uh, And then eventually we sort of moved towards a more manufactured diet made up of powders and and meals and flours. Uh, And they they are sourced from uh, all over the world. You might get uh, fish meal from the Peruvian anchovy fisheries and you might get soy protein concentrate from the United States. So there's many different elements to these Hmm. diets. And then, um, of course, the, uh, I guess, the impact or the footprint of the production of those ingredients, although they are away from where the fish are farmed, they are part of the system. So we have to really approach this growing fish as uh, as a very large ecological system that usually extends well beyond the sea to yeah. land production systems and also mm. so there's uh, a lot of uh, complex uh, interlinked issues there and the possibility then of uh, farming I don't know a different type of fish does that change the way that you think about feed yeah um, so there is a lot of interest in farming herbivorous species species that would eat um, algae or uh, plant material. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if we think about in the ocean, there are not a huge number of, uh, let's say, vegetarian fish species compared to, say, freshwater. Uh, That's just 
sort of how those ecosystems and those trophic levels have evolved. But there are some herbivorous species um, that we should uh, definitely look into more because if we can feed fish on diets that are lower down the food chain, we can potentially have hmm. uh, a lower footprint. Hmm. Uh, but generally, in terms of marine aquaculture and marine fish aquaculture, globally, most of the species are predators. Mm, interesting. Have we? Have you been looking at a particular species, uh, herbivorous species here in New Zealand? Um, there's probably one species which is um, fairly well known by a lot of a lot of Kiwis, which is the the butterfish marduri. Uh, that's probably the only or the main species that has a good taste profile. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people would know for a lot of our other herbivorous species, marine species, if we think of silver drummer and butterfish, maybe parore as an omnivorous species. Not all of them have a particularly great flesh um, taste. So uh, you have to sort of think about that when you're developing a species. It's uh, You've got to fulfill many specifications, one of which is will people eat the final product? And that can be yeah. very tricky yep. for herbivorous species. I suppose the fish farms that you're talking about could become the fish food for other farms as well. That may be what you're producing as a more sustainable feedstock. Yeah, that's true. So um, that's sort of thinking about how we can couple together and actually design the bottom of the food pyramids for these fish. And it may Mm. actually mean that uh, under some scenarios, we may sort of grow um, other fish and then feed them to our sort of the fish that we want to, I guess, farm and harvest for eating. Uh, but that could extend to all sorts of things. Because we're looking at supplying the fish with protein and fat, we can look at insect production. Uh, we can look at all sorts of ways of producing protein in the sea. On the land, we could use um, sand hopper type sort of insects. So all, from all different ecosystems, we can potentially take that protein mm. and that fat, process it and modify it and providing that it's suitable for the fish that we're trying to grow, we can use it. Mm, that's interesting. And in, in fact, it actually opens up the possibility of ingredients into other parts of the food system, right? We're not not just talking about fish directly as a food or fish for, for other fish feed, but I don't know, ingredients and other as a source of protein into you know, human diets, for instance, uh, as an ingredient. Yeah, exactly. We um, we eat an increasingly large amount of uh, processed foods. It generally has a sort of a negative connotation, but there are, um, if by processed foods, we just mean basically cooking and recombining things. Uh, there are, as you say, a variety of ways we can deliver low footprint, healthy protein mm. and fat to people um, by taking the sort of approach of, of sort of recombining and modifying um, ingredients uh, for people. I'm going to be talking to uh, Georgina Dowd very soon, who's one of your colleagues, and she's talking about creating, um, you know, kind of cultured fish, which is kind of, you know, next level of sophistication. But I guess we'll come back to that. But um, one of the things you've talked about, Damien, in another article, I'll I'll quote you, actually, because it was pretty interesting. You talked about if you compare the um, range of protein options available in the sea compared to what we have on land. You know, largely we've got cows, sheep, pigs and chickens, goats and so on. Uh, But there are many thousands of species yet to be explored for their potential, whether as food or other uses in the ocean. Uh, That really kind of blew my mind, but I suppose that's the point of the 
blue economy, right? It's this massive unexplored opportunity for not just exploration and um, uh, enjoyment, but as a food source. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you sort of think about um, what our current diets um, tend to rely on in terms of uh, animal protein, it's a relatively narrow range of uh, sources globally. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, there are various historical and contingency reasons why that is so. But if we look into the sea and if we think about what we could farm in the sea, and I, for the moment, I'll just restrict us to fish because there's all sorts of other wonderful things we could we could farm potentially. But even within the world of fish, we're talking about uh, tens of thousands of different species. The the sea is a very what we call speciose place. There's a high diversity, and uh, you know potentially any one of those things could be uh, domesticated or farmed or have. Uh, you know, be sort of deliberately produced. So, yeah, there is a lot of potential out there. Hmm. Susie, is there a particular New Zealand angle on on that thinking? Are there, for instance, you know, we're all trying to find our place in the sun mm. with regard to uh, our story around food production and why people would buy from New Zealand. Is there a particular... Mm species of fish or maybe even an approach to, to fish that is the New Zealand story? I, I think it's, you know, you just sort of touched on it then, Vincent, it's the, it's the approach. It's not necessarily just one species because you, you can't just necessarily, and you wouldn't want to necessarily just isolate the food sources of species. And I sort of mentioned before about having that whole of ecosystem approach. And it's about that with any, any food production system in New Zealand. I, I see it as we have a, we have quite a special approach to things and, 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 and bringing that whole of ecosystem thing in, into things, having, the, you know, the most sustainable production systems. I think that's re really where New Zealand has a real focus. Uh, and, and we're really honing in on that. And it's a, re it's a focus of many, many different food production systems. And I, I see that as a real, you know, an export opportunity for us. It's not just about the food itself. That is one thing, and, and it would be great to have, you know, the highest value, you know, boutique, have everything going out as boutique. We're, we're not going to be able to produce the billions of tonnes of food that, you know, other larger countries are. So everything that we do produce, it should be of the highest quality. Um, but it's the, I really see the opportunity of, of the technology development around these systems and, and the mm. approach of these systems that could be exported to the world. And it's, it's, it's that approach that I think is really special, um, and it's a it's a special a special thing of New Zealand. <laughs> so we could, could we're talking about IP here, um, the, the, yeah. the IP of of fish farming, not just the produce. Um, and sure, yeah, and, and we've got so again we've got some sort of heritage in this. I'm thinking about your the the intelligence around kiwi fruit that has been developed Absolutely. by by Plant and Food, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've got some pretty clever people around here <laughs> yeah, no. and all around the country. You know, it's, um, it's you know, coming together and bringing people together to, to tackle these really tricky, tricky topics. Um, mm. and like with um, open ocean aquaculture, crikey, we're just right at the start of the journey. Uh, we're, we're just trying to figure out the right questions to ask. You know, we're not, we're not saying that we've uh, knocked this challenge off by any means, not, not even close. But um, we will, you know. I'm pretty confident that that we'll get there. Mm. And uh, but it's uh, it's it's certainly not going to be done by a couple of people. It's going to be a just about a whole of country approach to 
to pull this one off. So, yeah. Vincent, Can if I could add uh, just a couple of points on that, like what would be special about New Zealand uh, fish? Um, and we, we've sort of said that there are, as we're not really super focused on a single species as such as being the representative thing, but it's going to be the way, Susie's right, it's going to be the way that we farm these fish. And uh, one of the areas that uh, we're working on is um, trying to sort of figure out how we can produce diets within New Zealand for these fish so that we can actually uh, produce fish that are made of New Zealand, not just sort of made in New Zealand from imported ingredients, which is how it works in New Zealand currently and around a lot of the world. Um, we want to sort of give the fish a particular provenance and we want to build the ecosystem, the food ecosystem under the fish in the best way possible. The mo a world leading uh, ecosystem sitting under these farmed fish producing the, the meals so that when people buy fish from New Zealand, they know they're getting they know where the foods are coming from that they're buying these fish from. And there's a whole food story that sits behind the fish because consumers are becoming more aware of, um, you know, the total footprint of food production. So mm. that's going to be one angle. And I would say the other, um, something that we hope will be fairly unique from New Zealand is we enter into a more um, holistic and uh, full treaty partnership with Māori is recognition of the... Um, of the special sort of ownership and guardianship uh, that Māori have over our native species, which are often taonga if we think about fish species. You know, we're not talking about cows and sheep here. We're talking about tamuri, mm. snapper. Um, we're talking about, uh, you know, native marine uh, finfish species that if we're going to domesticate and derive commercial value from it, there's a whole discussion and uh, approach that we're sort of looking, well, not just plant and food, but others as well, are looking to engage in as we develop this aquaculture uh, sector and industry for New Zealand. And that could be quite unique. Hmm. I love the, your, both of you have this real passion for what you do. And we've, we've had a couple of discussions and that really comes through. Susie, is there... Do you have the ocean in your blood? Where did you get this kind of <laughs> this love for marine ecosystems, marine life? Yeah, I guess I've I've uh, born and bred in Nelson, lived here all my life. Went away to university and, and came back. And well, actually, in my university holidays, I I cleaned the fish tanks at, at uh, well, crop and food back then. So uh, yeah, I've yeah. been around for a while. So um, yeah, we had a got a family batch down on the Marlborough Sound so I've been out in boats and fishing around fishing all my life uh, and yeah the the work you know all my holiday jobs and my I've only ever worked at plant and food uh, it's, it's been my only job I guess it's kind of unusual these days for to be in a job for, for this length of time and I've sort of grown up growing up here growing up in in not only aquaculture but in wild fishing as well hmm. so in commercial fishing and then come back into aquaculture so it's here yeah, being very much a, a marine based life but so, there must um, be yeah. enough in it to uh, you know you look like someone who's got a great sense of curiosity I don't imagine you would tolerate being bored <laughs> I don't think you get bored bored in the, uh, looking at this stuff there's this it's uh, I guess it's an it's it's not as um, it's not as I guess advanced as the as the horticulture or the agriculture industry. There are a lot there are a lot of unexplored opportunities, you mm. know, still out there. Whether that's in aquaculture or wild fishing, 
there's there's plenty plenty to do in this space and mm. you know it's it's that passion around the animal and looking after the animal and you know if you look after the animal the animal will look after you uh, whether that's in quality or or price or and things like that so it's and the other side of it is is also being able to support our industries and actually you know Nelson's based around the fishing industry and aquaculture industry so you get a real buzz about being part of that and you know actually developing these technologies you know these real game changes of and it can change people's lives uh, but mm. also being uh, centered around animal welfare and looking after animals and um, yeah it's that's a real real buzz of the job. Mm, Damien you're um, not a Nelsonian I think you're an Aucklander but also with this affection for the sea right? Yeah, I mean, I would say specifically, um, I'm really fascinated by fish. Um, they are the most incredible creatures. They are cast off into the world to survive as a single cell, uh, as an egg floating around in the ocean or in a, a lake or river. And I think the the story of, of, of fish in their lives, I just, it constantly amazes me. They're so very different you get so many different types of fish there are fish that even suckle i mean most people wouldn't know that but there are some fish that suckle their young they kind of they run the gamut of the animal kingdom in terms of things that animals do so that's that's the sort of the core of what i love about uh, a lot of my job is just learning about fish but then you're one of those kids that um stood at the fish and chip shop and stared at the chart of you know Common New Zealand fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm the one who's down at the wharf trying to catch the triple fins and the spotties and and the things that other people aren't particularly interested in. But uh, you know, there's lots of different ways to love fish as well as um, as 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 uh, trying to fish for them and eat them. Uh, and then I think more recently, what I've really uh, what I really find um, rewarding about my job and feel an urgency about is this linkage between producing food. Um, having a producing food that's healthy for people and has potentially one of the lower, you know, as lower footprint as possible. And I think what we're doing kind of just broadly makes sense uh, and how we sort of need to transition in our food production and live within the earth's um, boundaries. Mm. How far away are we from seeing a commercial expression of these mobile fish farms that you're working on? Uh, I, I, we're a wee way yet, Vincent. We, we, as I mentioned before, we're, this is really proof of concept stage. So, getting some prototypes in the water and and seeing if they're you know physically you know strong enough to withstand the conditions that we're going to expose them to. Uh, next step is um, you know hopefully being able to put fish into those prototypes and making sure that you know the fish do like being in them and and they grow well and the and the overall system is uh, sits well within the environment uh, mm. and has the lightest footprint that it, it can have um, so yeah there's there's a, we're very much at the start of this journey and uh, we do have a long way to go you know we, we have to go through that prototyping stage and hopefully then we can sort of have some pilot scale trials uh, and before we sort of get into that commercial um, stage where we're, mm. we're really looking at operational um, challenges and things like that. So maybe, you know, it sounds like a long time, but perhaps, you know, in 20 years' time we we, we may be getting there. But it, it, it takes this long, it takes that long to iron out all those all those challenges. But mm. if, if we're able to, de- you know, demonstrate that proof of concept, show people that there is an opportunity here, then, then people will start to come and 
become interested and, and take it that step further. We're not going to do this all by ourselves. It's it's our job to demonstrate what's possible and then we start helping, well, what are the tools needed to make this possibility a reality? Mm. And so that's really our job as scientists to is to show people something that they, they've never thought about before, to show people something's possible and then assist in, in making that a reality. You're both young enough to, um, by the look of it, uh, to see 20 years out and still be, um, you know, cogent and all that. Um, what Fingers is, crossed. <laughs> what does that look like for you, Damien? What does success look like for you in, the, in that, I don't know, let's give ourselves 10, 20 years? Yeah, okay. So we're going to assume that a lot of the um, sort of the regulatory framework has been sort of sorted for um, how to figure out how to farm in the sea and that we've broadly sort of solved some of the um, challenges of actually just farming fish in the sea. So I'm going to start from there, Vincent. I'm going to, I'm imagining around the whole of Aotearoa, we are having uh, fish farming operations emerging. Um, these might be quite dynamic operations where they may only sort of exist for parts of the year. We're going to mm. have um, we're going to have companies and iwi potentially sort of um, transferring fish between each other. It's going to be, as I say, a lot more dynamic and fluid than I think what we can currently imagine as a fish farming operation. It's going to be uh, it's going to be well monitored, and we're going to know that it's going to have as low a footprint as we can possibly do. It's going to be socially acceptable. It's not going to, um, you know, drastically negatively impact things like seabirds or marine mammals. We are pushing out into new spaces where there are no very little hu- persistent human presence. So we've got to make sure that we um, don't repeat some of the. Um, problems that our forebears have encountered as they've developed new food mm. production systems. Mm. How about you, Susie? What does success look like for for you in this space? Yeah, as Damien mentioned, you know, we we haven't had a great track record in some of these production systems over the years, you know, and, and we must do better and we will do better and, and, and we're getting there. And, and, you know, Damien's mentioned, you know, the production systems around around the country and, and even expanding on that is taking that technology to the world and seeing other people use it, but not just, you know, just for purely for, um, you know, huge increase in, in finfish production, but even starting looking at that smaller scale, even in New Zealand, maybe we could have community-based uh, fish farms where where uh, a community, they they do it from way to go, that they're culturing the, the juvenile fish on land and um, contributing to, to feed production and things like that, and their own people are growing their own fish out in their own um, production systems and, hmm. and, and having that that at a regional level, not just in, you know, linking up with the main centres and things like that. Why couldn't it be regional? Taking that into the uh, into the tropics, uh, things like that. And what about uh, take, having growing up fish for reef restoration, things like that? What about restocking? There are, there are there are many opportunities that this type of technology could open up, not just seafood production per se for food there are a myriad of other opportunities around um, environmental concerns and things like that that could it could develop into so there's it's it's not one of just one of those uh 
projects where you know you're you're developing something and it's and it's one thing. This this mm. branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, How interesting! I mean, it really feels like we're at the cusp of some something quite new. Yeah. What what you've just described yeah. is um is really quite interesting. And and um, that was only in half an hour. Imagine what we could do if we kept talking. <laughs> oh, <I'll tell> you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so well, we the, the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, it's lovely talking to you both. Thank you for your mahi and thanks for your time, Susie Black and Damien Moran. I wish you all the best. Oh, you're welcome, Vincent. It's good to Thanks, talk. Vincent.